Welcome to the High Reliability Podcast, presented by Goslin Martin Associates. I'm your host, Peter Martin, a little bit tongue-tied. I'm the president of Goslin Martin Associates. The High Reliability Podcast is focused solely on the healthcare facility management profession, and it's presented by The Career Hub. The Career Hub is sponsored by Goslin Martin Associates. We've been working on The Career Hub for several months now, and we rolled it out in June. So if you haven't checked it out yet, please feel free to do so. You can link to it off of our main website at goslin-associates.com or link to it directly at careers.goslin-associates.com. You can even become a Career Hub Insider if you decide to. As always, thanks for listening to the High Reliability Podcast. We really appreciate you listening, and please feel free to continue to send your feedback to me. Many of you have done it. I enjoy reading whatever you write positive, negative suggestions for improvement. I thank you for your input. So if there's something you want to send along, please do so. I always enjoy hearing it. In today's episode, we speak with three leaders in healthcare facilities management, and all of them happen to be women. And all of them, we just learned, also happen to be from Ohio, which is interesting. They're from different parts of the country, yet they're all from Ohio. So in a field that's heavily skewed towards the male, we thought it would be interesting to speak with these three leaders to hear a little bit on their perspective and hear a little bit about their healthcare facility management experiences. So today we have Karen Detloff. She's Vice President Facilities Management at the Metro Health System in Cleveland, Ohio. We have Claire Meeks. She's Manager of Plan Operations and Maintenance. She's down at the Carolinas Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we have Michelle Kirk. Michelle is the Director of Facilities Management, Environment of Care, and Life Safety Officer for the University of Maryland Shore Regional Health in Easton, Maryland. Claire, Karen, Michelle, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank My you for pleasure. having us. I know it's difficult to get time away, so uh, I appreciate it. And, you know, as we start off here, we've never had three folks on one podcast. And so this will be interesting to see how it all goes down, hopefully uh, hopefully without a hitch. But I want to start with each of you, if you don't mind. And, and uh, Karen, we'll start with you. If you could tell us a little bit about your role and a little bit about your hospital, where you work. Okay. Um, I have the responsibility for facilities management, utilities, and infrastructure capital improvements for the Metro Health System which is a, a 5.5 million square foot public safety net hospital system uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, <clears throat> we have a team of about 120 facility staff, um, two of which are devoted to major capital projects, of which we do about 90 a year, totaling about 8 to 10 million um, in capital improvements. Um, our system's rather unique. We're not the typical safety net hospital. Um, as on our main campus, we have several research buildings, um, a level one trauma center. We are the state Ebola treatment center, uh, Northern Ohio certified burn unit, uh, as well as a skilled nursing facility. In addition, we have three other hospitals, three ambulatory surgery centers, three freestanding EDs, and about 50 outpatient sites, including sites that, in, that include drug marts and even the county jail. Um, I'm also, uh, in my role, the facilities liaison to our new campus transformation project that is in the process of building a brand new $1 billion main campus. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> do you want, do you want any more? <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> no, that's quite I'll a bit. 
Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I was actually driving through Cleveland uh, back in May, going from Milwaukee back to home in Boston. And I was driving through in the night. And as Karen said, they're doing a campus transformation project. And right along the highway, as I looked to my right where I knew where Metro Health was, I saw look like up and it was dark, but a bunch of steel towering above the highway. So it looks like you're pretty You've started the campus transformation and there's a lot going on. So I'm sure you are um, to the wall with responsibility at this point. Uh, yes. In fact, uh, we're almost topped out with the, uh, the, inf- the steel structure. And the, uh, they're actually starting to clad our new utilities, um, uh, uh, central utility plant. Great. Good there. luck. Yeah, it's getting there. Claire, why don't we go to you next, please? Thank you. So I work in Charlotte, North Carolina for Atrium Health. I work at Carolina's Medical Center, um, Atrium's flagship facility. I support the central market. So um, that's made up of CMC as well as Mercy Hospital, a freestanding emergency department. And then I have responsibilities at our main rehab hospital as well, primarily supporting our area maintenance program. Um, I also oversee our site-based compliance documentation and take point person with a lot of our um, technology and data analytics initiatives within the market. Nice. Thank you, Claire and Michelle. I'm here. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Peter. Can everybody hear me very well? No, can hear you well. Can yes. You? Okay, good. Uh, so my name is Michelle. I'm the um, uh, director of the facility management for UM Shore Regional Health. And the Shore Regional Health actually have three main hospitals. They are Chestertown, Dorchester, and Easton. We also have two ambulatory surgery center and one standalone ED, which is at Queen Anne. And the total square feet that I am responsible for is about 2 million square feet. And they also comprise with five different counties in, in the state of Maryland. I know it's big, huh? <laughs> Yeah. So I have a lot of trouble to do. <laughs> and uh, as far as the department that reports directly under me, that would be the environment of care and life safety. I have biomed to emergency management. I have offsite EVS and construction and property management. So one of the biggest things that we are doing currently, we actually building a standalone ED at Dorchester and the outpatient facility with a total of about 85,000 square feet, and that is a $40 million project. Wow. So a lot going on. So it seems like even with the, um, even with the COVID-19 epidemic construction, your, your projects have, have moved forward during this. Is that correct? Yes. The offsite, yes. But the internally inside the hospital, if we have like an upgrade on a chiller, or refurbishment on the patient room, all those things are being on hold, so to speak. And we try not to get, uh, we try to be safety number one. I mean, safety is number one so that we're not doing all the construction inside the hospital. We do everything offsite first. Now is the opportunity. Yeah, that's certainly the case. How long, um, and you know, Karen, I'll go back to you and then Claire and Michelle, how long have each of you been, been working in healthcare and how long have you been with your organizations? Oh, um, I've been with Metro actually. Um, it was 15 years on Sunday. <laughs> is my oh, Congratulations. <laughs> 
Happy anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've spent about, uh, oh goodness, about 30 years in healthcare and um, another 10 years in uh, cons- uh, construction. Nice. Claire, how about you? I had the pleasure of joining Atrium Health just last November. Prior to that, I worked um, in Ohio for Ohio State. I've been in healthcare for um, five years now. And prior to that, I worked in facility management in higher education. Um, so probably for another five years or so before that. So Claire, that's one of the... Um one of the things that we talk about a lot in our line of work, and I had dealt with them in construction projects previously, is making that transition from higher ed into healthcare, higher ed facilities mm-hmm. management into healthcare. Obviously, there's commonality there. It's facilities management, but there are other things that aren't aren't as common. What's that transition been like for you? Because that's a question we get asked a lot from folks who are in higher education who may want to go into healthcare. What's that transition like? What's that mm-hmm. transition been like for you? Yeah, so for me, uh, you know, I was working in higher education, and to your point, a lot of uh, pieces are the same. I think the way that we viewed our mission of supporting students uh, rings true with um, how we prioritize our patient populations in healthcare. Um, I just, I found hospitals fascinating. So I actually went back to school for my master's. Um, I have my master's in public health and I did my practicum and then my culminating project in a hospital. And um, so that's kind of the tool that I use to, to sort of pivot into the healthcare sphere. Um, I'm glad I've made the switch. I have zero regret regrets. I think for me, one of the biggest um, differences was kind of just the relationship healthcare has with um, different authorities that have jurisdiction. It just isn't quite the same um, in, in higher ed, but um, I definitely, you know, certainly doable. What about um, from a PACE perspective? One of the big changes I found was just the immediacy of everything in healthcare, where some things in higher ed you might be able, if it's a Friday afternoon and you can kick it to Monday, then maybe you do that. Whereas in hospital, some things, even if it's a Friday afternoon, that's probably when you're most afraid that something's going to go wrong because it means you're either there Friday night or over the weekend. Have you found that? Yeah, in higher education, uh, we had seasons more or less throughout the year. So we were able to oftentimes save big projects or large scale work um, for summertime when our students were off campus. Um Whereas in healthcare, that just doesn't exist, right? Um, you know, our facilities are operating above 100% any given day. Um, so I think that the pace, um, while definitely, you know, I see a difference, um, I-, I wouldn't say it would be too drastic. So for somebody who's considering a change, but maybe, you know, is concerned about that adjustment. I mean, the reality of supporting your students are, you know, they live in, our, in the residence halls 24 hours too. So we were never really, uh, you know, totally in the clear um, outside those off hours. But I definitely, um, there's a huge difference in just there's not um, seasonality, if you will, to the work. Great. And Michelle, how about you? Um, healthcare years in healthcare and uh, years at Maryland Maryland Shore Regional Health. Yes, uh, so I've been with the Shore Regional Health Center for three years. I've been with the healthcare for a total of um, 19 years as of in 
as of today, actually. <laughs> Seven to wow. nine. We got an anniversary. Happy anniversary. Have- Double anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We've got people so from Ohio. I started, <laughs> yes, I started in Ohio, actually, when I was just a mechanical designer for University of Cincinnati in the higher education. But my focus was actually in the healthcare. So at that time, UC was tie-in to the UC hospital too, and then um, and also part of the medical building where the physician is getting um, getting their education and um, residency and stuff like that. So those are my uh, area of responsibility when I was at UC. Have you, same question to you, have you been pleased with your, are, are you happy with your career choice to transition from UC into the healthcare environment? Um, of course, I mean, well, the I will not say anything that um, my transition is not that drastic. If anything, it has helped me because I started as a uh, designer, as an engineer designing, designing mechanical and electrical and mechanical plumbing and the sprinkle system. Those are the things that what got me to be able to understand the hospital even better. Because, you know, just like designing in the higher education, those those functions, HVAC, are not so complex as in the hospital or in the healthcare. And so I don't have a big gap difference. I would just kind of walk into it somehow. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Everybody's always looking for those engineers, too. They're increasingly more difficult to find. So it's a, um, it's a bonus to have it in the background. I want to. Yes, um, and it has. No, I'm sorry, Michelle. What did you say? I said it has helped me through my career, so to speak, because going into, you know, I'm not sure if that was your next question, and I'm not sure if Karen and Claire have the same uh, experience, but that is what have helped me, to be honest, because going into. As a, as a facility management, and especially in the leadership position, I constantly getting tested by my facility team. And, you know, they always make sure that I'm standing on top of a, uh, on the thin line all the time. I mean, the test is always there <laughs> for me. What, what, it, Karen and, and Claire, feel free to jump in. But it, it, Michelle, um, when you say constantly testing you, it is is there a, uh, I don't know, is there an example, like what's a way you're constantly tested? And if you don't want to answer it, of course you don't have to, but if, is there anything you can, no, can the, think of? I can, I mean, for example, okay, for example, I would have a team member that come up to me and said, okay, I, I can't figure this out. You know, bottom line, we got to spend this money. We don't have a way to, to get the, get the room to have additional air. And then I would, Ask them, okay, have you looked into the existing drawing ductwork? What are the ductwork say? And I said, well, we did. And I said, okay, well, then what I need you to do is to actually go find the existing drawing and then bring it to me and let's figure it out. So by the time they bring it to me and pointing it out to me, then I ask them, well, what happened with this ductwork? Why is this just hanging here? And they'll look at me like, well, that, that, that is cap off. Then I ask them, why is it cap off? And they look at me like, well, I don't know. And I said, no, you know. I I know you know. I'm sure you know. How long have you been here? I said, you've been here for longer than I've been. I'm sure you know why it's been capped off. And they said, okay, fine, Michelle. We'll go and get uncapped. 
And I said, there you go. The end. Conversation is over. The end. I mean, uh, you know, those are the type of thing. Maybe they just pick on me. Maybe. I don't know. But but those are the thing. It's a constant thing. And sometimes they'll come to my office and say, that, well, that's a mouse in the pharmacy. We need a, a cat. I was like, seriously? You know, maybe it's just a test for me. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know if Karen and Claire dealt with this, but I, I do deal with this like practically almost daily. <laughs> Karen or Claire? I would say I'm I'm lucky enough. I maybe don't get that from my own teams as much as I seem to get that from our outside vendors. I think that's where I get it a little bit more where you know, yeah, we're paying you because you're the expert and we need your expertise and we want to be your partner. But, you know, also, you know, sorry, we're difficult to do business with. You knew that, you know, you knew that when you took your contract or, you know, I, I know that, you know, your plumber doesn't want to work weekends, but we've been, you know, we've been through this. You have to work weekends. We can't shut down power to our patient spaces or, you know, whatever it is. But I, I think I'm lucky. I don't seem to get that from my teams too often, at least not here. I think it varies. I, I've seen it in my career when I was younger, um, more so than when I'm a little bit older. But I I do get it from people who don't know me. They try to throw me off and, and throw me a curveball. And once they know that I know what I'm talking about, it, it seems to end. <laughs> That's, your, your sentence ended as abruptly as it ends when they're trying to test you, I'd imagine. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, what and is it? So I um, have a story. Yeah, I have. I have a story, Peter. Um, Claire sure. was talking about the. Uh, Claire was talking about the vendor. I have a story that I challenged the vendor. There, so we have a fire damper inspection. Uh, we have a fire damper inspection um, a while back ago, and I see a report. So one of the report actually say fail. And I asked the team, why was this fail? And they said, well, we don't know because the contractor just put down, they fail it. So I called the vendor to come in and, and then explain to me why was this fail and then why did they not repair it? And you know what was their excuse? This will be very funny. They told me the reason they cannot pass this because they cannot get into the damper because their personnel is too big to get into the damper. <gasps> Oh, that's fantastic. You know what I told them? You know what I told them? I told them, I said, okay, if your personnel is overweight, is that my concern? Is that my concern? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, I'm not understanding this. I said, help me out. I said, let's talk about this. If you, if you in the hospital, you come and get help. Okay. Can I tell you that my physician have my physician too, too, uh, I mean, too skinny to get into this room can help you. So, I mean, is that going to, is that going to do anything good? I mean, you're going to look at me like, what is going on? Oh, I, I lost it. I lost it. Well, what, I have so many stories. I lost it. Well, <laughs> so what, what was their answer when you said that to them? What, what did they Nothing. say to you? They so didn't did they say find anything? They just look at me. Did they find so, anybody? <laughs> well, I told them they better find somebody. Otherwise, I'm not paying the bill. That that's right. it, it's simple. 
you either complete the job or I'm not paying for it. It is a bottom line. I mean, I don't understand it. I said it's not my problem if if your technician is too big, too large, too small, not able to find it or whatever. But bottom line is you gotta complete the task. I mean, it is that simple. Right. But right. I can tell you, I have so many funny stories, but there's one of them I have to share. I, I will say on the top on our topic for today about being women in facilities. So I actually started my career as a maintenance technician, um, and I think because I was a different size than maybe some of my peers, I actually was quite popular for things like that because I could reach things or I could fit into places. And so, you know, just another reason to hire a diverse workforce. But yeah, I think because I was a different size, you know, it kind of rounded the team out a bit. <laughs> takes all kinds, right? So as a maintenance right, tech, it takes so all you kinds. Were, you were a maintenance tech, technician, excuse me, and then you... So was your goal when you started out as a maintenance tech, was your goal to progress through? What were you like? How did that happen? Yeah, I got that. Um, I started that job. So when I was doing my bachelor's, I worked part time in a type of maintenance role. And then my plans after graduate graduation just didn't happen. They fell through. And so there was this full time maintenance position open. And I was like, I could do that. And so, no, I would say when I took that job, it wasn't necessarily my goal to kind of be where I am today. Um, I fell in love with facilities and I just, um, like I said, I went back to school, took a couple different jobs. Um, yeah. And here I am. That's an interesting career evolution. I mean, it just goes to show you never really know where you're going to end up, but mm-hmm. you like it and you stayed with it and now you're there. What's it like? Um, I mean, you know, we know that the, the 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 healthcare facilities management profession, especially on the FM side, is predominantly male. What's it like, or is it is it difficult to be a female working in healthcare facilities management? Or is it different? Is it a different experience? I think this is Claire. I think that it can be difficult. Um, I think that like anybody else, um, people have their own lens that they see work through and, you know, everything about their experiences informs that lens. So I definitely think that I notice some things that maybe my peers who are men don't, or um, I see things that they don't or see it differently than they don't. Um, I will say I had greater challenges or difficulties. I experienced more difficulties working in higher education than I have in healthcare, actually, related to being a woman and um, just trying to work in a male-dominated field. What? Why was that, Claire? I think that in healthcare, um, at least in my experience, there's just more of an appetite for um new types of folks in the industry, right? So we're all aware all the time of the um, impending retirement coming for many of our colleagues within the industry. And so I think um, in my experiences, folks have looked at my candidacy for different positions and they've welcomed it. I think that a lot of the departments that we work with closely, so a lot of our clinical units, um, they see a change from maybe some of the folks that they've worked with in the past and they're open to it. Excellent. You know, it's it's an interesting mm-hmm. 
answer. Karen, you've been you're you've been in facilities longer than than Claire and Michelle just based on the the timeline and I know that, you know, you're well respected nationally, you're known nationally, you know, you've 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 kind of worked your way up the system now as VP of FM at Metro Health, so you got a big organization. What has changed? And you know, as you look back, and I you know, if you can take a step back, maybe your experience or just in general, what's changed in healthcare FM from say 10 years ago, 15 years ago to now, what's been the biggest, and I guess I don't ask that question in terms of like technical, you know, the technical advances that have been made or the building system advances, but from a a personnel perspective or from a a female working in healthcare facilities management, what's changed in the past 20 years? How different is it? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think personally, the the industry has matured greatly. Um, I don't think um, a lot of my colleagues were as technically competent years ago as they are now. Um, I think the demands on the hospital engineer have changed and the requirements to keep hospitals safe and compliant have increased. And an engineer in healthcare has got to be more of an expert and more well-rounded and have the ability to find answers to questions that we didn't have before. Hmm. Is the job more the difficult now than it was? Quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Is it, is it a more um, difficult job today than it, it was? Um, I think so. It's a faster pace. Of course, it's tough working in an organization um, like I have, uh, Public hospitals don't build new hospitals unless they really have to replace the existing facility. So in in my role here, um, I spend a lot of time every day just trying to keep um, the existing buildings functional uh, without investing a lot of capital uh, just so we can be here until we get into the new hospital. Um, My oldest building is now 107 years old. (laughs) Oh, wow, Karen. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you my head for that one. It's more than a hundred old. Oh my goodness. I think of the even stories know. that building could tell, right? No kidding. No kidding. Is the ceiling yeah. high, like six feet? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it has to be. You, you wouldn't know it unless you went in the stairwells. Oh, wow. <laughs> <Or> the <equipment. laughs> But uh, we have uh, the main campus is about 30 conjoined buildings. Uh, the newest building is, uh, um, uh, what was it, a 60,000 square foot addition on top of our functional ORs and ED. We added two floors of ICUs four years ago, and that's the newest structure. So it's, um, it keeps you busy. <laughs> that's an understatement, right? Um, it's got to be. It, it... <laughs> And if you've answered this because you, you've gone wide ranging, and this is just to anybody who would like to 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 answer to it, um, is, is there a reality that you deal with that may surprise people to know that you deal with? And, and it can be a good thing or a difficult thing, but something you know, we're we're focusing your healthcare facility management professionals at the end of the day, right? But you're also female. Um, is there something though that the reality that you deal with in your position that it may surprise people to know either a good surprise or a difficult surprise? 
So one of, oh, go ahead, Karen. Okay. One of the things that's kind of interesting here is, and, and I don't know whether it's because of my longevity at the organization, my clinical background, or the degree to which I collaborate with both clinical and non-clinical departments, but I seem to end up to be a resource for anyone in the hospital who doesn't know where to turn for information or answers, um, <laughs> and they come to me. And, you know, how do we do this or how do we do that or, or whatever? And what's really um, an example of that is we have a function at the hospital where anybody inside or outside the hospital can ask the CEO questions and answers. And the team that answers those questions frequently call me and, and ask me, you know, how do we answer this? And, and where do we find the answer here? And nine times out of 10, I either know the answer or know exactly where to, to send them. That's that's a, a curse in a way at times, I'd imagine, with everything going on now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know. But you get some really interesting <laughs> questions, too. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, when you, you know, when you open up to anything, you never know. You usually get anything. You never know what you're going to get. You can get anything. <laughs> that's okay. that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Claire or Claire or Michelle, anything along those lines or anything that you think is surprising to for folks to know? Uh, for me, this is Michelle, for me. So one thing that um, that uh, when I first started at Shore that most people really do not know that I am actually a certified fitness instructor too behind all the facility things that I do. So the reason I'm doing all the fitness stuff is, is that you can get very stressful with a facility work. Okay. And the only way for me to really get it out is, is through the fitness. And then plus, I don't want to work out by myself. So I tend to teach fitness classes. So most of my fitness people in the class will say that, when the heck did you get all this energy? Well, I said, I got a lot of stressful day at work and they'll look at me very funny. But, but then when the facility team find out and knew that I, that I actually teach fitness classes, they look at me like, hmm, she's very different. I was going to say something also about what Claire, had, uh, Claire has indicated earlier, that she has no, um, she has been working, she has been very lucky to work with a team that has less challenging and more acceptable in, in the female world, uh, in, in the female, okay? I think it's really depending on the community. It's also depending on the hospital, like where you go. So with my hospital, um, since they are such a small community, it, I mean, I do have three hospital total, about 300 beds. And the larger hospital is actually at Easton. And they're just about a little bit over 100 beds. And even just the Easton community, obviously, is a community-based hospital and all these years, it has been always been a male um, individual that have come to be in this role. So when I first started into this role, they would look at me, wow, she's, she's probably just got done with her college and she probably just got done with her master's. She probably just got done with her, um, I don't know, maybe PhD. And that's how she ended up in the director role. But the reality is that I did start from the bottom up too. I mean, I don't just land in into the director level without having starting somewhere. And so majority of it, I receive a lot of, a, a lot of perception, a lot of non-reality perception. But then 
then as people getting to know me better, and I am become the the resources for everybody, pretty much. But it it takes some times to get those individual to accept female in the role. And that's the one thing that it's like you, you just hit on it. I mean, it's time, and it only it, it takes time. Is I was going to ask you though, Michelle, going back it to takes uh, time. being being the fitness instructor, have you ever integrated anything from a program, or or have you used any of that? With your facility staff, either in a um, team meeting or any way to 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 like icebreaker, or have, have you ever taken any of those components into your uh, leadership role? Of course, you did not think that I'm not going to use any of it, did you? And do you uh, know that's what why I'm asking. With a team, <laughs> with a team meeting, I remove all the chair from the office. This is that pre-COVID, okay? everybody's standing up during the meeting, okay? You know how fast the meeting lasts? Oh, it's very fast. And not to mention when I saw them in the hallway going up to the second floor using elevator, oh, no. I'm like, okay, there's a stair around the corner. I'm sad. And then they, they looked at me funny, but then I said, just remember, think about this. I'm investing on your health. So if I'm not, if I don't care about you, I'll let you ride on the elevator. I care about you. That's why I want you to get on the step. I know. So did and they, they all like look at me funny? I get it. <laughs> and did, did they? Did they go to the stairs? They did. They all go to the stair, and then you know. I can tell you right now on my previous hospital, on my previous hospital, I did the same thing. And I can tell you one specific individual that actually uh, was a diabetic and have um, uh, have a medical issue with a $200 insulin every week or something like that. And after I left, after I left the facility, he's, he was no longer using the insulin he walked more wow. because, uh, I, I mean, it has helped the facility team. Yeah. It has helped. And it also promoting, uh, it's also promoting more of a team, team um, morale, you know? Oh, absolutely. Did, yeah. Did, and did it take, um, did, I'm, I'm sure there was a small component of folks who came to that understanding kind of begrudgingly, but they got there. Oh, yes, they got there. They don't like it. But as soon as it turned around, let me tell you, you know, I, I told people all the time, you know, fitness, uh, when you go to exercise, there's love and hate thing. With my relationship at the hospital with the facility team, there's a love and hate thing. You hate me, the fact that I asked you to do it, but then you love me because the result that you're seeing. Yeah. That's how That's simple fitness. it is. It is. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Excellent. Excellent. I didn't expect that to go there, though. Um, But that's why you asked the question, because you never know what's going to come out. It's like an interview. It's like a job (laughs) interview. No, it's it's like a job interview. You never know what people are going to say when they're sitting across from you. Um, What advice? Peter, you you wanted some surprise. This is a surprise, Peter. (laughs) No, absolutely. That's you never script anything. Um, I, I I appreciate your time, and we're, we're coming up kind of to the the end of it. But I, I you know, um, it's been a great conversation, and and you're all um, engaged, and it seems like you like what you're doing, you enjoy what you're doing, you're invested. What advice? And and I'm going to go specifically. I've got two daughters, and I'm always trying to tell them to um, 
you know, I'm not an engineering person. I'm not a math person. My mind just doesn't work that way. And I always tell them, and they're a little bit younger, old enough, but you know, if you go engineering, you're always going to get a job. You'll always have a job. You can go healthcare facilities. It hasn't worked yet, but, and they can do whatever they want. But what advice would you give to like, uh, uh, and we'll focus on a female, on a, on a young lady looking to get into healthcare FM, just based on your experience, what would you tell them that works? And I'll start with, uh, we'll start with Claire. Sure. So if somebody, you know, especially a woman I was talking with was interested in getting into the industry, um, I think it's really important. Well, when I look at my career, um, you know, I found mentors, right? So the person who hired me into my first job into the hospital environment, he um, wanted me there. He believed in my presence there and what I could add to the team. Um, he made it a point for me to get exposure um, to the things that make healthcare unique from other industries. Um, because when you have people like that, allies with your career, then the people who challenge you or who don't think that you, you know, are competent or qualified to be there, it doesn't matter um, because the, you know, the folks that you really do want to dedicate your time with um, are going to work with you. So I think finding um, mentors is important. I think finding, you know, just other folks within the industry um, who, who can, you know, kind of serve as a resource for you is a great place to start. Um, you know, and again, there's a lot about healthcare facilities that's very unique to the industry, but I don't think that that's by any means a barrier, you know, for somebody who's looking to pivot like I did. Great, great advice. Karen, how about you? Um, I think you really have to love what you're doing in the job. Um, healthcare facility management isn't a job, it's a career. And it's one that you need to be dedicated to. It's it's not a nine to five job by any stretch of the imagination. And um, if you really enjoy being challenged, along with a sense of satisfaction that of knowing that you've made a difference, um, that's what it's all about. And you're going to be spending a lot of time in your career doing your your the work you do every day. And so you really have to uh, enjoy what what it is you do. You, you've got to take the good with the bad in the job and, and find out that there's more than 50% of it is, is fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's great. You know, it's funny as I was listening to you talk, um, you know, just talking about the nine to five and we should actually do a podcast later on down the road about the work-life balance. Um, cause it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting, cause as you said, it's not nine to five and we, we were doing a, a recruitment once and the, um, the VP said to me, hey, Pete, this he had interviewed a couple of people, and uh, he said to me, we were following up, getting feedback, and he said to me, Pete, this work-life balance thing, is this really real? And I said, to him, I said, it is real because that's what, you know, that's what candidates are going to ask you about. You know, how, how is there a balance? And um, so that's a great answer, and it actually gave me a... Um, an idea for a future podcast because you're right. I mean, how do you balance everything? Cause you still got your life, but you got that responsibility that's always there and it never yeah. leaves. Right. And you know what, Pete, part of it is you've got a good team of people that you work with and that you've groomed to, to take over when the going gets rough. It, it, it's like 
last night we had some power outages here and I had two people from my team that were able to manage those, keep everybody else informed and deal with it so that not any one person is taking the load all the time and and doing the tough job day in and day out all by themselves. Yes. Yeah. That'll break anybody over time. Great. Mm -hmm, Uh, Michelle, you're last. Not last. I agree with Karen (laughs) completely. No, I agree. I agree with what Karen said completely. One thing that one thing about the facility management is like you really have to love what you do. And for me, most of the people will look at me that I am a workaholic. And then I will answer them instead of saying that I'm a workaholic. I'm actually not a workaholic. I'm actually love work. So if you look at, there is a book out there by uh, Joel Manby. It's a seven timeless principle of why people love works. It is a definition of almost like loving somebody, but loving the works in the same time, able to 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 keep yourself have the life balance as you mentioned the life balance if you follow the seven principle you actually able to accomplish those life balance life work balance and i also uh peter how much more time do we have can we ask karen something i have a question that i want to ask karen (laughs) Yeah, if Karen's got the time. If Karen's got the time, ask her. If people don't want to hear I've it, they can the close time. off. But this has been great. So, yeah, ask away. Well, to me, I mean, knowing the short period of time with these ladies, you know, Claire, Claire has you have been a very lucky individual that you, that I feel that you have a, a person that that able to mentor you along, you know, for me. I don't have anybody that mentor me. I am I am literally on my own and and majority of the time and that is what I'm seeking. I'm seeking for someone to mentor me for my next step. And it seems like I am able to mentor those the individual that reports to me, but somehow I don't have anyone that can mentor me to the next step. And the question that I want to ask Karen is knowing that you have been in the same healthcare for many, many years and and grew up from that healthcare. What are the opportunities for someone that has not grew up from uh, from that specific healthcare coming from a different healthcare? Is there any opportunity at all for those individuals that has never grew within the facility, within the healthcare? I'm not quite sure I understand your question. Like someone, you know, growing from a healthcare, like the opportunity from Clear, for example, either Clear or myself, they're going to a different hospital, but is in the higher level um, executive uh, leadership, like VP or something. I mean, what are their chances and what are their opportunity? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I think it's very difficult for women to break into the upper ranks of healthcare. It um, it took I I spent a lot of time making my desires known and working very hard to get where I've gotten. And it it didn't come easy, and um, um, it it's not easy. Um, I think it might be 
It might be easier to find a position in another hospital where they're looking for an upper level position and break in that way rather than to come up through through the ranks in your own organization. Hmm. That's interesting. So, and Karen, is that because, do you think that is because the per, if you're at your organization and you stay at your organization, their perceptions are are set and they, they can't look beyond that. Whereas if you're willing to, to move to another organization, they don't know who you, they don't know who you are, but you impress them. Is what, what is the cause of that? Do you think, I guess that's the question. Why would that be? Uh, I, I think, I, I think they see you in the role that you're doing. And if you're doing a good job in that role, they see you there and they don't see you in another role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. Well, then that's yep. dangerous mm-hmm. for me. Then. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because if it, well, put it this way, I mean, for me, I mean, I'm not sure if it's for Karen or Claire, but for me, if, if they continue to see me that I'm a, such a such a good individual for that position, they'll just keep me in the same position, right? <laughs> um, that can happen. I actually had a um, a CEO come to me once before and tell me that um, he would have promoted me sooner, but he needed me in that role. And therefore, no. he- <sighs> yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. And- yep. I can see that. Mm-hmm. And that might be part of it where you, and we're kind of getting a feel, but you use some of the leverage that you have that you've accumulated through conversations where, hey, I'm looking for advancement. And if not here, I'm getting it somewhere else. Sometimes that puts pressure on them. They don't want to lose you. And at least they're more willing to work with you and not, not um, pigeonhole you into a role that you're effective in. And, you know, I was just trying to think, Michelle, um, you know, the, your, your, your mentoring question and just expanding, you know, outreach, things like ASHI, um, regional engineering societies, the more people you can connect with like Karen and Claire and just um, focus in on that opens doors for you too. Um, so, th- so use your leverage and not that you're looking to leave. I don't yes. know what you're looking to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, but you, you, people have well, leverage. Peter, any you use leverage I and, do. Um, I, and, and if they don't want to, I, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's better to keep somebody than to lose somebody. I, I it's agree. I do. I do. Right. No, I do get a lot of my information from, you know, from Ashy, and I do connect back and forth with my peers when, you know, with other director level peers uh, from other hospital as well. And with their background and experience is different. I mean, I do connect with them back and forth. It's just that my my way of seeing that you know being promoted into the facility management in the VP level for the female is typically is very hard. It's not something it's not something that they would be just like okay here you go and it's not it take a lot more. I mean just like what Karen has indicated, it, it, you know it take a lot of her hard work to get there. I mean, when he, you know, so when you look at it, if it's a male, I'm sure that will be just immediately fit in. <laughs> Claire, I think you have something to say there. Yeah, I just wanted to to add to this. Um, to, and to your point, Karen, you know, I've definitely worked in 
um, an environment where I had applied for a couple different jobs and um, I wasn't selected. And, you know, that's all fine. Um, but, you know, I realized looking at the types of folks that they were hiring that I just was never going to be that person. Um, and they kind of were seeing me in the role that I was in at the time. Um, and so for me, that was a big decision maker um, at that time to, you know, kind of look outside where I was at. But, um, you know, we're talking about getting involved in professional groups and things like that. Um, I actually made the connection for the job I'm in now, um, right? I didn't just apply to this job, you know, cold call situation. Um, I actually presented at a conference, um, an industry conference that I'd attended for a few years. And I actually, after a couple years, I finally told the organizers, I said, hey, I don't know if you guys know this, but you have no women presenters. <laughs> like every time I've gone, you guys have not had any women presenting. And they looked at me and they said, great, you want to present? And I'm like, Sure, sure, I can do that. Um, so that's actually, you know, because of that, I was there and I made a connection with somebody who, you know, didn't really know me very much in the role I was in. And so I think he was able to just kind of visualize, you know, based on what I was talking about and what I like about my job, you know, a fit for me here. And, and so I was able to, you know, make the career change in that way. Yeah, those passive connections are so important. And like, you know, Claire, um, you know, for example, Claire's on the call today. I didn't know Claire. I hadn't worked with Claire before, but Claire's one of the people who has replied to one of my podcasts and she had some great feedback for me. And and I said, you know what, we're, we're trying to set that up. Why don't you join? So it speaks to, you know, it just speaks to advocating for yourself. I tell my kids that all the time, just whatever you are, just you've got to be your own best self-advocate. That's not always going to work. I'm not saying it does, but when you advocate, doors can open for you because one of you mentioned it earlier. Men or, or people don't see what you see. But when you open that door, then they see it and they're like, ah, it's kind of that aha moment that is nice. But that's Claire. Claire's a perfect example, having done that to me, sending me an email. And I said, hey, join. And so she's here and it's been fantastic. So it works. Um, <laughs> Is there? You're, I know. I, I, I promise. I don't. I don't tell everybody. Hey, you don't have any women. But I just, you know, when I see it, and I'm always yeah. happy to help. You know, participate in the conversation. You know, I, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And I don't think you know most people are. And if people are threatened by that, then you're probably not going to either want to work with them or do anything with them. But most people right. might be. You know what? That's that's great. I mean, so yeah. No, I, I'm glad you had sent it. Is there? Isn't, and I just want to thank, we have Karen Detloff. She's the VP of FM, Metro Health System in Cleveland. We have Claire Meeks, Manager of Plan Operations and Maintenance. She's with Atrium Health Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte. And we have Michelle Kirk. She's Director of FM, uh, University of Maryland Shore Regional Health in Eastern Maryland. Thanks to each of you. Is there anything, though, we're going up? This has been a long podcast. It's been a good podcast. I hope people like it. I've enjoyed it. But is there anything we've not covered that you just want to put on the table briefly? Anything you want? And if you don't, that's fine. I just kind of want to, it's like the end of an interview. Anything we didn't cover that you think is important? And if the answer is no, that's great. Well, I think I'd just like to say one thing that I, I really like facilities management because I like the, the breadth of the responsibilities, the diversity of the challenges that one faces daily, and, and really working with talented, engaged people that manage and resolve whatever comes our way. We, we really are the creative problem solvers in hospitals. And I really like that. I'd agree. Well, excellent. 
Ladies, thank you so much for your time today. This is the High Reliability Podcast. I'm Peter Martin from Gosselin Martin Associates. Thank you for your time. Ladies, thank you for your time and have a great day, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for having